thank you, Pete and Roger, and good morning, everybody. My name's Dave, uh, Assistant Minister here at Emu Plains Anglican. Great to be here with you. Uh, and as Roger said, this is our last week in Hebrews. A bit sad. Um, and Roger reminded us how it started, but did you see then how it ended as we read through Hebrews chapter 13? A lot of commands, a lot of things to do. Uh, and I wonder, how do you feel when you hear commands in the Bible? Uh, are you like, oh, great, here are some more things for me to do? Or are you like, great, here are some more things for me to do? Uh, I think the way we respond to commands says a lot about how we understand the gospel of Jesus. Right, for those who don't understand the gospel, Christianity is just going to look like this list of do's and don'ts, and it's going to feel like a burden. But for those who do understand the gospel, right, Christianity uh, is good news. Uh, it is about what God has done for us through Jesus. Uh, so we rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Then we respond with obedience to his commands, a glad obedience. And this response, uh, if you saw it um, from last week, can be summed up as worship. Okay, uh, We saw that at the end of chapter 12, which we'll see up on the screen. It said, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Right? So you see there, it's not worship God and receive the kingdom. It's you have received the kingdom. Therefore, worship God. Be thankful for that. And God has always done things this way. If you, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see this. Uh, when God you know, gave Israel his commands at Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, right, it was after he had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. Now, then he showed them how to worship him. And if you remember from last week in Hebrews, the, the author likened uh, Israel then to Christians now. Except we haven't come to Sinai, we've come to Mount Zion, the heavenly city of God. Right? We have been rescued from slavery to sin and gathered by God around this mountain uh, to hear his word, to hear his command and to worship him. And so Hebrews 13 then uh, is about how to worship God. Right? And what do you see here? Well, we see worship, it's not just this single act like uh, the Old Testament, you might walk up to the temple with your sacrifice, do the sacrifice and then leave. Uh, some people think worship is like that. You, you go to church, you worship, and then you leave. Right? But worship is not this one-off event. Uh, it is an entire life devoted to the service of God. And so we see a great little summary of, of worship here uh, in Hebrews 13, 15 to 16. He says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So we see there it's an ongoing, continual thing, but we also see that worship is more than just a personal experience. Right? It's about other people. It's about doing good for others and loving them. And so here at the end of Hebrews, we have uh, commands from God on how to worship him uh, by obeying him, which will mean loving one another. And so hopefully now, as we go through these commands, it's a bit of a mixed bunch, but as we go through, hopefully you are thinking, yes, 
I want to obey. I want to do those things. And the reason is because you've understood the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's have a look through. We're going to look at at worship in these areas as the passage goes through. Uh, It means loving strangers and sufferers, not worshipping sex and money, and loving your leaders. That's what we see in the passage. Uh, So the first one is we worship God by loving strangers and sufferers in verse 1 to 3. So verse 1 gives us this heading of love one another as brothers and sisters. So love one another as family. He's talking to the church. And then he mentions two ways to express that love to one another. The first one is to love the stranger in verse 2. It says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, the angels bit uh, is not, um, you know, show hospitality because you might be uh, serving an angel in disguise. Okay, don't think that's going to happen. What it's talking about is Genesis 18. Abraham sees these three guys walking along and he invites them into his tent, washes their feet, serves them food, loves them, cares for them. Uh, And what he's doing is showing them hospitality. Hospitality is not about, you know, cleaning up your house to showroom standards, lighting candles, cooking that three-course meal uh, while Ed Sheeran plays in the background. Okay, that's, that's not hospitality in the Bible. Um, hospitality uh, is about loving and serving strangers. And hospitality in the early church was so vital uh, because churches didn't meet in big buildings like this. They met in people's homes. You had to open your homes to strangers so they could come in and hear the word of God. And as well, if you wanted the gospel to be preached to other cities and places, uh, those preachers had to travel uh, and they needed to stay in Christians' homes Uh, to have food and rest and keep going. And so hospitality really served the growth and strength of the church. Uh, And so what will it mean for us? Uh, I mean, we have buildings, we don't have homes to meet in for church, but uh, some of the things it will mean is uh, when we do gather together uh, is to welcome one another and to love one another. And not just the people that you know and get on with, uh, but to love and serve everyone, the stranger that joins us. That might mean just staying for morning tea, having a coffee, have a chat with someone. Uh, show that love to the stranger. Uh, and we don't have you know, missionaries that want to come and stay with us and keep going, uh, but we can still love and support them uh, as we pray for them, as we give for them, because we want to see the gospel spread to the ends of the earth. And so that, that is what hospitality is about for us today. Uh, the second way to love is to love the sufferer. So verse 3. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. So in the first century, you could be put in prison just for being a Christian. Uh, And prison was not like prison now. Um, They gave you like just the the barest amount of food to keep you alive. And so it was a place you could very easily die if you weren't getting some help and care from others. Uh, And so that's what's being encouraged here. When Christians are suffering for being Christians, we're not meant to think, oh, that's their problem. You know, they got themselves into that mess. No, we're meant to suffer with them as if we were suffering. And so to love and to care for them uh, and serve them for suffering as Christians. Now, we're not being thrown in prison for following Jesus, uh, but we, we will suffer for being Christians. 
there will be ways, big and small, that we will suffer for being Christians, and probably more and more uh, as the years progress. And so when that happens and and the world turns its back on you or a Christian that you know, uh, the church needs to be the place uh, where they are loved and they are cared for and they are supported uh, in, in practical, loving ways. And so we need to be uh, keeping, keeping an eye out for that uh, so we can love people. And, and look, why do we love people this way? Uh, because this is the way Jesus has loved us. And we want to display that love in this world. Right? It's a, it's a love, as Psalm 118 told us, a love that endures forever, the greatest love. Right? When people understand how they've been loved by God, they will want to love others that way. And that's what the church does. Uh, we love as we have been loved We worship God by loving strangers and sufferers. That's the first thing. Uh, Now, uh, we're moving on to the next one, which is uh, we worship God not by not worshipping sex and money. Worship God by not worshipping sex and money. So, you know, why highlight these two things um, to the church? Well, because these are the two biggest idols that we worship, that our world worships, uh, and the two things that are most likely to shipwreck your faith. Right, so ancient cultures were like ours, just saturated with sex and the love of money. Uh, and the danger for Christians is, is this. Uh, if we're not paying attention uh, to our lives and being watchful over these things, uh, we will just drift along with the currents of the culture. Right, we'll be conformed to the world and what they think about these things uh, rather than transformed by the word of God Uh, to worship him, to use these things uh, to worship God. And so what we need is we need to view sex and money uh, through the lens of the Bible and hear what the Bible says. Um, And so the first one is sex uh, in Hebrews 13 verse 4. Marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. so, So here's the lens of the Bible Uh, The only context for sex in the Bible is marriage between one man and one woman. You've got to add that bit. Adultery is out. Any sexual activity for a married person outside the marriage is out. Uh, Sexual immorality is out. Any unmarried person engaged in sexual activity is out. Those, Those are sexual sins. They are wrong. And they will be judged by God. Now that just sounds, you know, in the ears of our world and our culture, that just sounds ridiculous. That's old-fashioned. I don't know where to start with what our culture thinks about about sex right now. But in the Bible, God has joined marriage and sex together. And our world is trying to separate them to its own destruction. And so view these things through the scriptures. The second one is money. Now, verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Uh, So so the Bible's lens is that everything belongs to God uh, and he gives things to us um, so we can be stewards of it, so we can be managers of things that belong to God and and use that wisely. How different is that from the way our world thinks? We think, I've earned the money, I'll spend the money how I like. Uh, we love money. It, it gives us power. It gives us security. Uh, and so money really takes the place of God. Right? It's a danger for the Christian 
uh, if you love money uh, because you won't love God. And so, look, you know, on these two areas, sex and money, we're just not getting any help from the world. Uh, so where is the help going to come from? Well, it's got to come from, from the church. Uh, it's got to come from the word of God. Right? So how important is it that we keep spurring one another on to love and good deeds, that we keep speaking truth to one another in these areas and worship God? Right? And God has not left us alone here. He gives us amazing promises to fight against these temptations. Have a look, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Uh, this is particularly talking about money. Uh, He says here, uh, be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mortals do to me? When you have God, what more do you need? You compare sexual sin uh, to God's promises. Sexual sin is a fleeting pleasure compared to the everlasting pleasures at God's right hand. Uh, you compare money to God. The power and security that comes from money is nothing compared to the power and security of knowing God is for you, of knowing that he will never leave you, that he is your helper. Uh, God's promises uh, just make sex and money look so small. Don't love them. Love God. Worship God. And finally now... Uh, We worship God by loving our leaders. Interesting that he turns toward this. Uh, We see it in verse 7 and 17. So this whole section is kind of bracketed by uh, leaders. So that's telling us that this section is encouraging the relationships between members of the church and its leaders. And this is really, it's a really dynamic relationship uh, where one affects the other, okay? Uh, So it's important to get the relationship right between members and leaders, Right, so we can worship God together. And so first we see in verse 7, uh, the first instruction here is, remember your leaders uh, who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. This is a really good thing to do. I did it for myself. I encourage you to do it. Remember your leaders. Uh, so I remember the youth leader who was probably like 20 years old uh, that kind of first, when I first understood the gospel, when I first understood sin and forgiveness and believed in Jesus, I remember that leader that spoke. I remember the minister uh, taking time to explain the gospel further to me so I understood assurance. I remember crying with relief in his office uh, when that happened. I remember an assistant minister. They're pretty good too, by the way. They can do some good things. Um, this assistant encouraged me to form good habits of Bible reading and prayer Uh, And and I still do that today because of him. And so we not only remember our leaders, but we imitate their faith. And so I remember my my favourite leader from my youth. Um, I could not tell you one thing that he he sort of told me, but I remember his character. I remember his his care, his wisdom, his love, his laughter, and and above all, his patience with this group of rowdy young boys. uh, And he's just trying to teach us about Jesus. I remember that, and I want to imitate that faith even today. Right, so remember your leaders, imitate their faith. And then we're jumping to verse 17, and there's good stuff in the middle, and I encourage you to read that. We just don't have time to go over it. But we jump again to, to leaders, and it says this. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Now, our world does not like that word. It's a dirty word, submission. 
Um, because so many of the leaders in our world use their authority to serve themselves. But Christian leaders are meant to be different, right? Because our, our leader is different, right? Jesus used his authority to serve people, right? And leaders under him are meant to do the same. Use their power and authority to serve others. And so that's the first reason to submit to your leaders because they're, they're trying to serve you for your good. Let's so have a look at verse 17 as it goes on. Uh, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. So your leaders are like, it's, it's like shepherds with sheep, okay? Uh, they want to guide you to green pastures and to water you know, by preaching the word of God to you. Uh, they want to protect you from the wolves of false teaching. Uh, and they stay awake at night, watching over you, uh, praying for your soul. Right? Because they want to see you loving Jesus and persevering in that faith to the very end. Uh, they are serving you for your good, so submit to them. And then secondly, uh, we submit to our leaders, as it goes on, uh, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. That's an interesting thought. Um, submitting to your leaders is good for you. There's a great book called The Book Your Pastor Wishes You Would Read But Is Too Embarrassed to Ask. I'm asking. It's a great book, uh, great book to read. Please pick up and read it. It, it talks all about this dynamic, this relationship uh, of, of leaders and members and working together. Here's a great quote that talks about the impact that we can have on one another. Uh, so Christopher Ash writes, uh, you and I have it in our power to demotivate our pastors so that they are gradually ground down into a slough of despond from which they will be utterly unable to do us any good at all. But we also have it in our power so to cheer them, so to put a spring in their step that they will gladly do for us all that we hope and pray. Right, you have a lot of power in your leader's life um, and you can use that for good. Right, but we need to see our leaders as just a gracious gift from God, uh, serving our good. And so submit to them, uh, remember them, imitate them uh, as we seek to worship God together. Okay, so that is, that is the passage. Uh, this is how we worship God in response to his grace. And I wonder, as we've been going through that, how do you feel? How do you feel about the commands? Um, do you desire to love strangers and sufferers? Uh, do you desire to be sexually pure and content with what you have? Uh, do you desire submission to your leaders? Right, hopefully you're answering yes to all those questions. Uh, but at the same time, hopefully you're kind of going, yeah, I want to do it, I, I don't do it that well. I've struggled, I've fallen, I've stumbled in those areas. Right, and so what do we do? Well, thankfully, uh, God does not leave us to just obey his commands in our own strength. Uh, as well as commanding us what to do, uh, God also gives us the things we need uh, to obey his commands and worship him. And so at the very end of Hebrews, what do we see? We see a prayer for God to do just that, to work in us what is pleasing in his sight, to equip us to worship him. So it's a great prayer, uh, verse 20 to 21. Uh, and it might sound a bit complicated, but really it's just asking one thing. God, equip us to do your will so we'll be pleasing in your sight. So let's have a read through, see if you can see that. Now may the God of peace 
who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now this is a great model prayer for somebody who understands the gospel and wants to worship God. Okay, so we're just going to just jump through it. Here's a summary of it. We'll just jump through it quickly. Uh, Pray to God through Jesus. If you've been listening through Hebrews, you know that is the only reason we can approach God uh, is through Jesus who sacrificed himself for our sin and is risen. So pray to God through Jesus, asking him to equip us to do his will. Ask God to give you what you need to worship him. And ask so that we might be pleasing to God. This is the deepest desire of the born-again Christian heart, is that you want to be pleasing to God. And that is why you ask him to equip you. And then you pray in Jesus' name. Uh, He's the reason we can be confident that God hears our prayers and answers our prayers. And so when you have that that good desire to obey God that comes through the Spirit, uh, realise you can't do it, but don't despair. Uh, Come to God, ask him to equip you to do his will so that you might glorify him. So that's the end of Hebrews. Um, How are you feeling? A little bit sad? I'm a bit sad. I've loved Hebrews. Um, It's so funny at the end of the book, isn't it? The author's like, this is a brief word of exhortation. It's like, it's not that brief. Uh, As far as New Testament letters go, it's pretty long. But I think what he means is, it's not his length. He's saying it's brief as in, there's so much more to say about Jesus. It's like the end of John. Remember the end of John? Uh, John says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Uh, And Roger and I have felt a little bit that way as we've preached through Hebrews. There's not enough sermons in the world to cover all the good things in this book of the Bible, all the things you could say about Jesus. And so here's here's a final exhortation and prayer for you and for me as we finish Hebrews. Uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, So keep reading this word spoken through the Son. Pay careful attention to him so you won't drift. Keep your eyes fixed on him so you won't grow weary and lose heart. And hold firmly to the hope that we have in Jesus. He is the anchor of our souls. He is the source of eternal salvation to all who trust in him. Uh, So we give thanks to God and we worship him together. Let's pray that he would do that work in us right now. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the free gift of salvation that has come to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We know he sacrificed himself for our sin so that we can draw near to you with confidence. And Father, we know we can do nothing on our own, and so we pray that you would equip us with everything good to do your will, so we might love one another, grow in holiness, and live lives that are pleasing to you. Do this work in us by your Holy Spirit, we pray, that we might live lives that glorify you through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to sing.